Hey there, it's Daniel Eccles from the Learned Opportunity Podcast. We have another great one for you here today. We are excited to share with you our interview with Alicia Wilson-Baker. She is a community development, social work maybe, all around social justice advocate for Indianapolis on the east side of town here in Indianapolis. And we talked to her a little bit about opportunity, where do you find it, and assets in your community. How do you find the assets that are in your community? What assets do you have to be able to share in your community? She's just super fun to talk to. She's uh, a great, bubbly, fun person um, that we had a great time talking to. And I think that you'll enjoy hearing from her about all of these really important things like social justice, community development, creating assets for people that aren't with the resources that they need to be with. How do you connect people that need opportunity with the people that have opportunity to share? That's the thing that we're going to talk about with Alicia Wilson-Baker. And so we're going to go ahead to our interview with Alicia Wilson-Baker. Thank you for listening. If you could share this episode with a friend, we want to create community here as the Learned Opportunity Podcast. Alicia Wilson-Baker is all about community development, and we are about community development as well. So let's create a community, share this podcast with a friend today. We'd really appreciate that. Here's our interview with Alicia Wilson-Baker. Hi there, welcome to the Learn to Opportunity podcast. My name is Daniel. And my name is Gwendolyn. And we're here for more casual, professional, and lifestyle development. And we are with Alicia Baker. She's a community engagement manager at Aunt Bertha, which is a public benefit corporation. And she's worked in community development for the greater part of a decade. So hi, Alicia, thanks for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. So excited to be with you both. And so what did I get correct or did I get wrong? Introduce yourself a little bit to, to listeners. <laughs> I'm Alicia Wilson-Baker. I work for findhelp.org, which is powered by Aunt Bertha. I'm here in Indy, just basically helping people get connected to social services and then working really closely with our nonprofit, faith-based and government leaders to help our communities improve their quality of life. So I feel like you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> There's a first for everything. So how would you explain to somebody what community development is, what it is that you do? Yeah, there's lots of different definitions for this. For me, how I view community development personally is really looking at the assets of what exists in the community. What are the gifts and talents that our neighbors possess? And then how can we take those talents and build something beautiful with mm -hmm. them? Whether that's working to address education or affordable housing issues, anything that the community wants to work on to grow together and develop, that's community development. So I loved that phrase, build something beautiful. I'm probably <laughs> going to be distracted just holding on to that phrase because I just love that. That's really awesome. Yes. And that's just one I would say that's one way to do community development. There's, of course, mm -hmm. lots of different schools of thought. But for me, yeah. it's really focusing on not like what I want to see in the community, but what can we build together? And what are, what are things that people want to see? Everybody has very similar hopes and dreams, right? 
They want to be able to have their kids grow up in a healthy place. They want to be able to get a good education and to have a well-paying job that pays a living wage. They want to live long, healthy, fulfilled lives with neighbors and friends that is a really robust support system. So that's our common goal. People have lots of different ways about how we go about achieving that. And so I feel like another part of community development is working to really build that consensus around how do we advance this mission and these goals for our community. Awesome. Yeah. I'm inspired. <laughs> right. This is great. This is great. <laughs> Some good stuff. Yeah. So like opportunity is the, the focus of our, our subject for this podcast. And one thing that you said that stood out to me was you're not trying to force or create opportunity that you want to see mm. in your community. You want opportunities that are a great fit for them, for people. So how do you figure that out? How do you know what opportunities are good and what opportunities aren't good? What yeah. might cause more damage? Yeah, it's a lot of listening. Hmm. And as, for me as an extrovert, as someone who loves to talk and <laughs> loves to engage with people, that is a really important skill that I've had to learn. And I'm still learning over the last decade of being in this work. And Really, it's listening to neighbors, hearing what their hopes and dreams are, thinking through also what's feasible. Sometimes that's the hard part because mm -hmm. I'm a dreamer. I want to like shoot for the sky and be like, yes, yeah. let's do this. But sometimes there's lots of red tape that you have to navigate mm -hmm. through. So you have to set expectations as well with people you're working with to be like, okay, let's try to do this. We've got these assets. We've got all of this possibility, but let's also make sure we're taking it slow. This isn't going to be done in a day and working throughout the whole process to keep people engaged, to mm -hmm. give people updates. Communication is super key to that. You don't want to just cut off communication and then people be like, what, what's going on with this project? So mm -hmm. it's listening, it's communicating, it's keeping people engaged and making sure that their voices are centered throughout the whole process. What you're describing in my world is sometimes called a needs analysis. So I'm now thinking on the very structured side of things, do you have a template you run through or is it more organic or do you have, oh, these are my go-to questions I like to ask to open something up or just really tactically, what does that look like? Yeah, very similar. What I would do is called asset mapping. Okay. Which is what you're saying, where you go around and you take stock and you write down, like you physically write down, what are all the assets that exist in a neighborhood? Okay. So it could be the corner grocery store that provides fresh vegetables, or maybe there is also a woman who bakes and she will sometimes sell the loaves of bread that she bakes in her own kitchen to her neighbors. That's an mm. asset. Or maybe there's a teenager that fixes bikes in the neighborhood. So you want to take... At, um, those assets and write them down. Sometimes it's even cool to literally map them on a physical map if you're working mm -hmm. in a physical space. So when I was working at the Bonner Center here in Indy on our Near East Side Quality of Life plan, we physically made a huge map. We took like a bunch of butcher paper, taped it all together and painted a huge map of the Near East Side and then invited our neighbors to put the assets that they knew of either their own assets or their neighbor's mm -hmm. assets on the map. And then from there, we built this wonderful, robust list of resources that people could turn to, not only their neighbors in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. but also resources that people could turn to if they needed help paying an electric bill mm -hmm. or enrolling in college or whatever their, their goals were to help advance them on that goal. Wow. 
That is awesome. And just seems tangible when you take just information from that exact community to know, oh, it's an actual face that I'm going to see who could help me with my taxes or who could, oh, I need to watch my, someone help watch my kid or that's awesome. I love and that. Even just for uh, we're moving into a house and, and into a neighborhood, I'm just like, ooh, I can map oh, out like, all our neighbors and see what. That <laughs> in your own neighborhood is that creepy? Is there a boundary no, line we need to know about? <laughs> absolutely not. Two hats, I guess you could. Uh-huh. I wear multiple hats. I'm a very engaged person. I'm. I don't know if you're Enneagram people, but I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So Great. I'm always busy. I love life. I love doing activities. I love. Uh-huh working with my neighbors. So not only am I working with findhelp.org, I'm also the associate pastor at Broadway United Methodist Church. And our church has this program called the Roving Listeners Program, which is exactly what you're describing, Gwendolyn, where a student or a person will Mm -hmm. go out into their neighborhood and just walk around the neighborhood, chat with people on their porches, talk to them, invite them over Mm. for dinner, get to know them, get to know what their joys and their dreams and their assets are and then work when they go out again the next time talk to neighbors they can be like oh I know Lucille down the street is Mm -hmm. a really great gardener like you also love to garden you should get together and talk about gardening projects or and it's really building that social network that social Mm -hmm. capital for neighbors to be able to turn to whether they need it or not it's just available to them and it strengthens the community Okay, what was that called? Roving? Roving listeners. Roving <laughs> listeners. You, yes. I'm just going to get real with you. So I've been listening and feeling like God's slowly been giving me like little hints at a ministry idea. And I haven't fully known, yeah, what's, what it's going to look like. or And for a while, I was like, where is this going to be? And in the last little bit, I clearly heard the where and it was neighborhood and like in a month we're moving to a new neighborhood. And so even just describing what you're saying, I feel like for years I've just had a passion for having people at my table and feeding them or walking around and saying hi to neighbors. And I'm beyond stoked to have like a neighborhood with a different atmosphere than an apartment neighborhood. It, it just feels what we're being called into. So yeah. That was awesome. (laughs) It's just also for me, when Jesus is talking to the man and he's, who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. We kind of over-spiritualize sometimes like the idea of neighbor, which is Mm -hmm. good because ultimately like our church is global. our, Our world is global. You can interact with somebody on the different side of the planet. Like we're hearing about things that are happening and we should be concerned about things that are happening in different places. So that is so important. But sometimes forget that like our physical neighbors are also our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so we need to make sure that when Jesus love your neighbor, that we are making opportunities to sit out on our porch and go walk around the neighborhood and meet the kids and play curveball or whatever opportunities there are to connect and build that community. Oh, Thank you for preaching that to me. That was so sweet. What I needed to hear and encouraging that to be slowly getting ideas of a minister like that into here. Oh, there's other people doing the same thing or other people with the same passion. And unless you like have conversations, like I wouldn't have known or like you had a hard day, like you were running all around you. I probably had one of my worst days of work ever today. And it's easy to just be like, Oh, 
okay, I, I can't make it to that podcast meeting or oh, I can't do that. But to really say, not that we say yes to everything, but to say yes to those things we feel like we're supposed to be called to be obedient to. So thank you. One of my favorite things that we say at Broadway is that God didn't stop speaking when the book went to press. And so it's up to us to listen to our neighbors and to hear how God is moving in their lives or in the world through them and to celebrate with them or to mourn with them when they're going through tough things. I think Mm -hmm. one thing that I've learned the most out of COVID in this past year is we are built for community. Like Mm -hmm. even those of us that are more introverted, we still need each other and we need, whether that's virtual or in person, we need to be really intentional about making sure that we're walking alongside each other and, and creating those opportunities to support one another through thick and thin. Oh, I love it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's going on in my head here is, do you have the example of a, a success, a celebration story from mm-hmm. the work that you're doing? Oh, goodness. It's really hard sometimes because this work is also not work where you get to see huge results every day. This is the slow work of community. It's not something that's flashy or something that's sexy and, ooh, look at what we built. Like, sometimes Mm -hmm. you get to celebrate that and it's amazing. But a lot of times it's just found in those really small moments, in moments of vulnerability and Mm -hmm. connecting with a neighbor of sharing, like you said, Gwendolyn, of what's going on in your life and recognizing, oh, wow, they're going through something really similar as me. Or just being able to be there for someone for a big occasion. I think about when we moved to our neighborhood in the four years ago, I didn't grow up in Indy. And so I grew up in California. I moved to Indy about six years ago, got married to my husband. We bought a house about four years ago. And the biggest joy I have is going on walks around my neighborhood, sitting on my porch and just letting whoever comes by, like talking to them, going on walks. And all the kids are so excited about our dog. And then <laughs> anytime we, they see the dog, they're like, oh, there's Teddy. And just building relationships like that out of simple mm-hmm. moments, letting people know that their lives are so important, that there's no one else like them in the world, and that what they bring to this space is, is important for our neighborhood and for our world. Mm-hmm. So I can't think of like a specific moment because... <laughs> off the top of my head, but there's so many little ones like that that come to mind immediately for me. Yeah, I've been dwelling the last couple of days on the idea of what seems like achievement or like this should be the goal or this should be the this. And I have, I'm realizing I have to step back and pause and be like, wait, I need a reframe because my life with the Lord, that actually shifts. That isn't the most important thing. So I feel like you gave a reframe of even just a natural question we ask for, ooh, like, what's the best? What's the favorite? And, oh, wait, it's in the little moments. Okay, yeah. It's just, but it's that's a real struggle, though. I just want to name that because even for me, a recovering Mm -hmm. perfectionist, uh, (laughs) someone who wants to do all the things and be good at all the things, suck the marrow out of life, if you will. It's hard to bring it back down to reality sometimes. God is working not only in the big moments where you are successful and you see the results Mm -hmm. and you're like, yes, this is kingdom work. Yes, we're seeing shalom advancing relationships are being restored. There's that, but then there's also these very tangible, tiny things that if you don't pay attention, 
you forget about them. That's another thing that's happened with COVID, forcing us to slow down and be like, you can't do things for a year that you used to do. Even if it just means like a slow walk around the neighborhood and taking a look at all the flowers or the trees or listening to the birds and looking at the clouds and being like, oh, okay, there's still beauty here. And there's still small things that are really important and nourishing. It's hard. We like the big things. What is it? I think Mother Teresa's quote that says, do small things with great love. I have that framed on my wall in our living room because it's a reminder to me, like you said, to come back to those small things because I can get so hung up on what's my life purpose? What's Uh What am I doing? Is this the path I'm supposed to be on? And as long as it's love God, love your neighbor, love yourself, love the environment, protect all of those things you're on the right path, right? So So I'm picturing you like sitting on your porch, walking your dog, looking at those clouds, looking at the flowers and literally my last year of existence. Yes. (laughs) And that is such a beautiful thing, but in order to prioritize that, so you are available for your neighborhood, have you had to limit anything else in your life or you're not in your head? Go for it. What are you thinking? (laughs) I mean, yes. I am a chronic overcommitter, okay. and that is something that I am always trying to put in perspective, mm. that when I say yes to something, what that really is saying is no to other things, because mm-hmm. I am human, and I only have 24 hours in a day, just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so when I say yes to all of these things, what am I actually saying no to in turn? And is that no actually more important than the things I've said yes to? So I've started to notice this. There's so many important causes and events and things that are happening that could use my time and attention. There's so many things happening in our world that are so important. There are so many things within my own life and within my own you know, relationships with friends and family and my partner and everything that's going on that also we need to be cultivating love there as well. So it's a growing process for me, for sure. I do not have it all figured out, but I've started to frame this. I think it was Brene Brown who talks about this. The saying no is actually saying yes to some things, mm-hmm. right, as well in the opposite direction. So when you do say no, it is the opposite of, mm-hmm. Good well, I'm not yeah. going to overcommit to this thing. Instead, I'm going to put my time and energy and attention here. Mm-hmm. So framing it like that and not framing it as a, oh, I just don't care about this because that's not true. I still Mm -hmm. care about it. I just need Mm -hmm. to find another way to engage that is more fruitful. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's telling my friends about this thing that's going on and having them get involved or maybe just it's sharing the word on social media or there's so many ways to to be involved but not have to commit to things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Still learning. (laughs) (laughs) Always a work in progress. I'm sure Josh hears this. He's Alicia, what are you saying? You've got this all figured out. He's like, I know that you're like, there's three things that you're wanting to quit right now. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly the point. I'm going to be quitting those things. So I have space for other stuff. (laughs) It's great. I, I really don't want listeners for this podcast. Like one thing that we say at the end is more opportunities for more people. And, and that is more about quality than quantity. I don't think that opportunity comes from more and more. It's more about the quality and what are you valuing and you have to choose because we all are limited. I mean, if we say yes to everything, we're not going to be able to actually have any real opportunity at all. Mm. So, 
Absolutely. As we're talking, I feel like I've had my eyes are glistening. Like, I'm just totally feeling this. So since this is audio, I'm just sharing so everyone can appreciate. This is just a sweet space. and feeling it. uh, Yeah, if you want to go Enneagram for a second. I'm a three, and I'm learning I have a very strong four wing. And it'll come out really randomly, and I'll just be like, be totally feeling something. You're having your four moment here. I am. Alicia, what are some reflections where you have found or how you've created opportunity in your own professional or it could be in your personal life where have you found or created uh, opportunity yeah so i think i have always gravitated towards roles and opportunities that are very justice oriented or service oriented being a christ follower i feel like that's really embedded into my calling and my identity. So like you mentioned, I've spent, you know, the last 10 years in the nonprofit space before coming to findhelp.org. And the move that prompted me to switch from being active myself in the nonprofit space to going and then supporting folks in the nonprofit space is really around this idea that you've brought up about where does opportunity lie? Who gets access to opportunity? And why is that the case? And really asking those questions of why are the why are things the way that they are? And when I'm working in social services and a neighbor comes in and is having issues paying rent or something, but they're working two jobs, they've got two kids that they're trying to pay childcare for, they're making 15 bucks an hour, but they are not ma- making uh, enough to pay for all the childcare, but they're making too much to qualify for benefits. You know, like, why is this the case? So things like this come up, kept coming up, these ideas and these people and these interactions. And then also being in the nonprofit space and seeing how there are so many amazing organizations out there doing work, but none of them are actually working together for the most part. Some organizations are doing great, but for the most part, lots of nonprofits and faith-based organizations are really siloed. They've got their mission. They've got their funders. And this is their little corner of the world that they're going to make a difference in, which is is not a bad thing. But then when you look at the larger picture and the systemic picture and how things are interconnected, we also then need to be interconnected in how we problem solve some of these issues. Right now, one of the biggest issues in central Indiana, we've been talking about food insecurity for the better half of a decade already here in Indy, at least since I moved huge food deserts across central Indiana. But something that really hasn't been at the forefront necessarily in a lot of the conversations is housing insecurity. We, a lot of people, especially West Coasters like me that moved to Indiana, wow, Indiana is so affordable. I had the privilege of being able to purchase a home. I couldn't do that in California. But the reality is 25% of our neighbors are in poverty. Like 25% of people here in central Indiana are in poverty. And there's not a, anywhere in this country where someone can be working and have an apartment with minimum wage. So these are things that I'm like, okay, how are we actually going to accomplish this? All of these amazing nonprofits that are doing individual work can help put some band-aids on the wounds, but they're not really asking, why does this wound exist in the first place? And so that's why I got pulled into more of this work with findhelp.org because it's really addressing what are the root causes for all of this. Some of this stuff we won't be able, in my personal opinion, to fix on our own. There's only so far, I think, that 
charity can do, especially when it's siloed. I feel like there's a lot of work that we need to do as far as churches to do advocacy work, to do government reconstruction of benefits in the social system to help support neighbors. But at the same time, we do need to be thinking about how can we work together as faith organizations or nonprofit organizations or government entities to make sure that people aren't falling through the cracks. The the deadline for the eviction mandate that's basically preventing people from getting evicted is at the end of this month in five days at the time of this recording. And I'm terrified of what's going to happen to our neighbors when that mandate's lifted. There already was a cavern of people that were hidden that were struggling to get by. And now it's going to be even wider. And so, yeah, that's not necessarily an answer to a question. These are just things that kind of are percolating in my head all the yeah, time. Of, that's perfect. How are, we, how are we going to address this? How can we come together? And again, what assets do we have within our communities to solve these problems? Because I truly believe that we have what it takes within us. We just don't have sometimes the courage to do the right thing. Just dropping that casually in there. Oh, that's <laughs> great. There's just silence on this end. We're both just kind of like, I'm thinking through all of it. Yeah, it's a lot of percolating. It's a huge need, but it's not an easy answer. And I think you're onto something though. What is the real source? Like we're we're adding these band-aids. Did you say, but what is the wound? Was that your words? Yeah. What, yeah. Where's the wound coming from? How do we yeah. keep getting injured? Like all of the time. My favorite thing to do when I'm doing appreciative inquiry interviews, which basically means as you're talking to somebody, you're trying to learn about them, get their ideas on stuff, is literally just being like an annoying three-year-old and asking mm. why. Just why? Why is this happening? Oh, here's an answer. Why is that mm. happening? And then going and going deeper and deeper until you get to the real root of the, mm. of the issue. And that can be powerful. It also can be terrifying because it really exposes us where maybe we have some blind spots where we're not, or some areas where we're not aware of our inadequacies. <laughs> when we think about housing, it's how did, how do we get this in the first place? Why? All the way down to the root cause. Food insecurity. Why? You asking why is at least a start of looking into it instead of just saying this is how it is so that's a great spot to be even if it feels like where is this going like you said it's slow work yeah and i think the thing that really propels me in all of this work both personally and vocationally is the fact that i can imagine and i can see that future i can see that future where everyone is valued where everyone has enough where everyone is able to realize their full potential and their full God-given gifts and talents and use them to better the world. Mm -hmm. My favorite scripture verse is John 10, 10, which says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundant. And I believe that not only means for me as a Christ follower, a great relationship with the Lord, but also how do how does that impact my relationships with people? How does that impact my relationship with the physical environment, especially with us coming up against climate change and the issues we've been having this past summer with all the fires and the floods? And how do we take that stance both personally and corporally to hold each other accountable to care for our planet, our home that God said when God created the world is good? And how do we extend that care 
and that uh, abundance to others so that others might also have abundance, that they might have quality education and they might have good housing and they might have recreational spaces and good jobs and the ability to be with their families and healthcare, all of the things. Because we don't, we're not disengaged our souls and our bodies. We are all together. (laughs) And so all of that impacts our, our lives. So I just keep going back to my mind. There's this paradox that I'm weighing in my mind because the reality in the room is I'm talking about opportunity. We're talking about opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, are people that are, are more privileged. I'm a, a white man who is six foot four and comes from an upper middle class. Like I've got a lot of things going for me. Opportunity can just sometimes come. And then I'm like, oh, that's listeners out there, why aren't you getting opportunity or other things like that? I'm trying to weigh this balance here of how do we talk about opportunity when it's not equitable for sure? How do we talk about it in a way that is respectful, uh, that is true, that is good, that provides it for people that are maybe not going to get as many opportunities as, as Daniel might just based off of who they are? Yeah. I think that's really where that whole asset-based mindset really comes in handy because we don't discount people based on their situation in life. We know that they have strengths. We know that they have skills. We know that they are smart. We know that they can accomplish great things, but what they sometimes just need, like you said, is that connection, that opportunity, that social net or person or something to get them to where they need to go. So for me, opportunity has really been like what you said, to whom much has been given, much is required. I have also been privileged enough to receive a college education and a master's degree and have studied a lot of this work and things that we're talking about today. But because of that, I want to be able to make sure that no matter what room I'm walking into, that I'm able to widen that table, lengthen that space for people to come and not only participate, but belong in those spaces. Because I truly believe every everyone belongs. It's not like, well, because I have XYZ qualifications, I get this. I'm like, okay, how can I leverage those things that I have to help other people get into that space and lead that space and belong in that space. Something that for me, thinking about the church and like where we're headed in the next decade or 20 years or so is thinking about how do we create spaces for bivocational pastors or people in ministry to thrive And how do we make sure that pipeline of folks that are going to be leading the church are, is diverse and making sure that there are people from all backgrounds that are able to lead the church in that way. That's something I think about a lot. I think about that just in general, not even in the church, outside the church, just in our government. And I think about that in our neighborhoods and our communities and our teachers and everywhere. So how are we breaking the glass ceiling with what we have 
but then also making sure that people behind us aren't stepping on that glass, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So do you have any suggested resources or opportunities that come to mind from this conversation that listeners would benefit from? Yeah, for those of you that are in a faith-based community, if you are Christian, I highly recommend Reverend Mike Mather's book, Having Nothing, Possessing Everything. Mike was the former pastor of Broadway UMC here in Indianapolis. And his book is a fantastic stories woven together about finding abundance in places that are unexpected and how we can create these communities or at least recognize the abundance that already exists in these communities and amplify that impact. That is a huge book for me. Mike is now out in Boulder, Colorado, but he sometimes comes back to Indy. So maybe we can get him on the podcast sometime for you yeah, all as well. But he's, yeah, he's fantastic. That's another great book. But I have, I'm about to go run downstairs and pull out all my books <laughs> from grad school. Some of my favorite, some of my favorite books, but really, that book is fantastic. Was it Tattoos on the Heart by Father Greg Boyle talking about working gang members and former gang members out in Los Angeles and yeah. the lives and the stories and the joys and the struggles that they've shared together in building community. That's another fantastic book. I'm gonna have to sit and think because I've got so many. Is there any like community <laughs> development? Like this is the go to learn more about that. If you are, I will say, if you are in Indianapolis, get connected to the Indianapolis Neighborhood Resource Center. They are a mm -hmm. huge resource for our community. They've got these amazing programs that are like community builder programs where you can learn about asset mapping and building community in your neighborhood and how to work together to support your neighbors. They're a huge resource. So if you're local to Indy, check out INR. They're fantastic. Yeah. I loved hearing about the Indiana Neighborhood Resource Center to learn about, I want to say action mapping, but that's the wrong wor world. It's asset mapping. Yeah, that sounds great. This entire time I'm thinking about, oh, I need to get like a big map from my office and just do some asset mapping. <laughs> just got to be careful saying that word too. Uh, there is the ABCD Institute which literally ABCD is the shortened term for asset-based community development. That is out of DePaul University and they are out of Chicago. So a little bit North of us here, mm -hmm. but they are huge in community organizing as well. So if you want something on a nationwide scale, cool. check, check them out. They've got lots of great resources. They do events, they do trainings, all sorts of great stuff. So another huge resource. That's great. Those are some awesome resources and what a variety of books and local yes. in Indiana and the national. That's great. Yeah. And how would listeners connect to you if they have any questions? Are they allowed to connect with you? Sure. Yeah. If anybody <laughs> wants to hit me up and chat about assays community development or get together and brainstorm about big picture ideas of how to tackle systemic issues, I'm always down for that. You can <laughs> find me. You can find me on LinkedIn. Alicia Wilson Baker, or you could always shoot me an email to my work email as well, which is abaker at aunbertha.com. Awesome. Or walk by your porch. Just kidding. Anything else that yeah. um, before we, we get going here that uh, you'd like to share with listeners or questions that you wish we would have asked? 
Oh, one thing I just forgot. So put this in the resources section. Demon Hargis and Shauna Murphy are two huge people at Broadway that have been instrumental to the Roving Listeners program. Okay. Um, they're with the Learning Tree Institute, which is also here in Indy. So I also highly recommend, but they do stuff nationwide, lots of learning with huge organizations as well as small organizations to work on asset-based development. So highly recommend that you uh, check them out as well. Awesome. Cool. We have some research to do. I'm excited. Yeah. We have some things to look into. We'll probably be talking about for a little while. Yeah. We have a lot to keep talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Join us next time. There you go. Thank you so much for coming on and and especially Mm -hmm. after a very crazy day and and everything and biking around town. Yeah. And this was just refreshing and fun to get to know you more and yeah, just so great. Thank Mm you. (laughs) This is a joy. Thanks for having me and grateful to have these conversations where we we take some time outside of our busy days and like you said breathe and think about mm-hmm. those small but important things that that really matter mm-hmm. yeah i need to so breathe much. today so thank you <laughs> <laughs> this was great it's like a pause it. button it's wonderful mm-hmm. and, and now all, all of you listening out there is here's an opportunity for you to use your assets directly you have five stars that you can give Oh. to this podcast, which would be a huge <laughs> asset to us and provide us with more opportunities based off of this opportunity that we're giving you. So if you would go ahead and leave five stars if you have them. You might not have five stars for us, but I understand that completely. Let us know if you have four or three, whatever. Leave a review that would help us out a, a whole lot and help uh, other people to hear and, and listen to all this great information that we're learning about with like asset mapping and other things mm-hmm. like that. All exciting stuff. So. Join us next time. I'm Daniel. And I'm Gwendolyn. The Learned Opportunity Podcast has been brought to you by Ecclesia Counseling Services, LLC, providing mental health and career counseling to the greater Indianapolis area. Perhaps you're anxious or maybe you're unsure about the future of your career, or you feel that you're not living the life that you are meant to. Whatever your needs may be, Ecclesia Counseling Services is here to offer support. Check us out online at Ecclesia Indy, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A-I-N-D-Y dot com.